This is The Waycast is a podcast where we recap every Star Wars episode as it's released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert, and you have been warned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of This is The Waycast, the Mandalorian edition for season three. I'm Sarah Edwards, your resident Star Wars writer at Boardwalk Times. I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist and podcaster at Boardwalk Times. And I'm Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief at the Boardwalk Times. And so today we are recapping the final episode of what's been a very long period of Star Wars content back to back. See the last episode of season three, The Return. And first off, it was short that was a that was a really short finale yeah that was i'm glad that that's the thing we're starting on uh, seriously i was kind of perplexed because i watched it right when it came out not thinking i was going to but then i was like you know what i'm just gonna get this out of the way and that literally is what it felt like it felt like i got it out of the way it did not feel like i was invested in the story because everything happened so quickly like a marvel disney plus finale yeah i just felt like it was just too short just just too short i mean especially after how last week was these last week yeah. was a bit longer had you know really set up the stakes and this week it just felt very rushed very just not very not like the mandalorian has been in the past like i just it's just such a weird weird dynamic there because you would think that they would at least save the big parts for like save your good amount of time for like the finale i mean it, to me it just makes no sense to trot out a 40 minute episode if that for your finale when you could have made that a bit longer and a bit more impactful because this is like the last episode we watch of the Mandalorian until oh man probably 2025 yeah easily at the earliest I the season no shade but the season felt like the book of Boba Fett to me I especially this last episode you know that's actually an excellent point and I was gonna say I think I preferred book of Boba Fett at this point because at me least too, it yeah. felt more linear I guess I'm seeing Zach's reaction I'm like <laughs> it's like here's the Zach thing is shocked like I think both of them have plenty of problems but I thought the highs in book of Boba Fett were a little bit more interesting like specifically and I've said this a million times the two Mando episodes in that show were really fun and they felt like fulfilling whereas this finale felt like every time we got something cool it only lasted like two seconds like for example Din saves himself right at the beginning when everyone was like is expecting some crazy cliffhanger it almost felt like the cliffhanger was manipulative last episode it was like guys you have to watch the next one you need to find out how he gets away and then he gets away like before the title dropped just like okay at least in Book of Boba Fett we had Boba Fett and Mando like going on a massive killing spree and then we got uh Boba Fett riding a Rancor and stuff like as goofy as that finale was at least it was longer as far as I remember at least it felt longer and like more stuff happens um I don't know this felt very jarring to me the season was definitely uneven Mm -hmm. but I I think Boba Fett like the final three episodes of the book of Boba Fett were awesome but I mean you can't like if we're going like back in time here those first four, four episodes when our boy Tem is just stuck in the back the tank and we're getting these flashbacks of the Tuscan Raiders. I mean, some of that was pretty tough to like slog through. And then yeah, you know, there was some there was some aspects of the show that like obviously we don't need to rehash it because it's a Mando Pat podcast. But there's just some aspects I didn't like. But you're right, where it's like that series at least ended high. Mm-hmm. Or this one for some reason just did not end as high for whatever reason, even though everything was there for it to end high. No, absolutely. And so jumping all the way to the end, the scene with Mando 
Mando and Grogu is the scene that I've been wanting them to experience. I've been wanting them to have that ending, but it felt so early and it felt so underwhelming. Like these two have been through so much, so much separation, so much testing their whether they'll stay together or not. And it's just like handed to them. To, to me it kind of felt handed to um i would have ex- i would have preferred if you know maybe they were like we need to hide out for a while got moff gideon's gone but we need to lay low i get i saw this on twitter zach i think it was on one of your tweets but someone said i never would have thought i enjoyed a bad batch finale over a mandalorian now it's it's expectant for me to love a bad batch finale over a mandalorian but this one just felt especially so okay so i have to jump in here and we have to because i i was actually going to talk about that comment so that <laughs> comment was from klein felt who writes at the direct and he's also one of the co-hosts of reckless rebellion and he wrote that comment about he didn't expect you know if you would have told him a couple weeks ago that he enjoyed the bad batch and the bad batch finale more than mando he would have like called you crazy and that was something on this pod i was like okay i have to bring this up to geo and sarah because you know obviously i don't watch the bad batch so it's like but it's kind of crazy that that's even a conversation just from the standpoint of we we see how disney and lucasfilm promote these series the bad batch is like a blip when it comes to marketing like it's a blip on the radar mando is front and center so that you even have fans that are like oh i kind of liked bad batch better to me that's just like really fascinating because it just shows you that like maybe there was more issues than i expected from mando this season and i i because at first i thought this reception to mando season three i thought it was all because the internet was just put the internet just sometimes pushes narratives and then they like fizzle to the top after a while and it felt like that's what was happening with Mandalorian like oh Mandalorian's bad because Andor was good like I Mm. I felt like that was happening at first but then like as you know the season concludes and you have like comments like we're inclined and I feel like Sarah you might feel the same way is the Bad Batch was better than Mando and to me that's just like one of those things where I'm like it's shocking and it's a kind of like what Klein said, not to repeat myself again, but it's like what Klein said, like, especially after how Mando season two ended, you know, to have the Mando season three be surpassed by Bad Batch season two. Like, even in just some fans' minds, like, that to me is just, I I don't even know. I mean, I just feel like there could have, it just seems like a missed opportunity then that it didn't satisfy the hardcore Star Wars fans enough. Sounds like you got to watch Bad Batch. Yeah, after I get through Rebels, you know, and after yeah, I get sure. through Clone Wars, yeah, I'll You have to get through watch. Clone Wars. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So, but Rebels, I'm really enjoying. Like, I wasn't going to give an update on my Rebels watching until I'm done with season one, but I can tell you. You two on this podcast, a little this is the Waycast exclusive. I am really <laughs> thoroughly enjoying Rebels, and I can see just within the first four episodes I've watched why it's like in that top tier of Star Wars series and content. Like only within the first four episodes, I can already tell that this is going to be well, let's like say it like how the kids say it these days, peak or whatever. I mean, I I don't know. It's just one of those shows. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I can put it this way. When Bad Batch has episodes that are more mature than The Mandalorian, you know something's wrong. Because like some people that I was following, they ended up turning on The Bad Batch where they were like, you know what? Now thinking about season two as a whole, I actually really love this series. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the finale did the opposite of The Mandalorian, where it like made everything in context feel a lot more fulfilling. And the, the stronger episodes in Bad Batch were like really 
really strong. Like they had really entire deep. episodes about exactly like crosshair. I mean, Sarah, we could talk about this all day, right? It's like <laughs> the finale, the crosshair episodes, they were really hard hitting and very emotional. Whereas here, and here's the thing, you do not need to have character deaths to make something like emotionally resonant and intense. And the problem here is exactly what I mentioned earlier. Din gets released immediately. So there's zero stakes involving his character. And then something that bothered me throughout this season, and the more I think about it, I think if they had just rewritten it a little bit differently, Grogu does not need to be there. And we had talked about this on a separate episode. And I think what would have worked better and what they tried to do in this finale is have Grogu be more of like a force um, wielding like little superpower for Din, like have him like on a pouch over his shoulder or something instead of in IG-12, like sitting in the back every mission they go on. He just sits in the back until this episode when he does things, but because he's in danger. So I was like, I would much prefer him to be more a part of like Din's arsenal as like, hey, Grogu, I need to train you or whatever. And and I can use your force powers as an assist because we see that in the episode. So real quick before we move on, but your whole rewriting just got my brain thinking where if they would have just showed some patience and not had Din reunite with Grogu in Book of Boba Fett, could you imagine if we went this entire season and Din is about to get killed by Moff Gideon and Bo is about to get killed by Moff Gideon and it's Mandalore, but then Grogu senses danger. So you see the iconic Luke X-Wing come in on Mandalore and then Grogu's the one to save him. Like you don't even have to include Luke if you don't want to, but you know what I mean? Like R2 delivers Grogu and Grogu saves him because he senses. And then it's that emotional moment. It's it's like that. You you get that payoff because you don't see Grogu like, and the thing is like there was a workaround where it's like Grogu wasn't within doesn't mean that we don't see him throughout season three either. Exactly. Yeah. You could cut to him at the at Luke's camp. You know, it's like you could cut to him every once in a while doing something. Like everything that happened in Book of Boba Fett could have probably been spliced with exactly Mando. And no, just when you were talking about the rewriting aspect, you like that was like the first scenario I thought in my head. It's like, oh my gosh, could you imagine how more impactful it would have been if Grogu comes and saves Din after not see seeing him for like such a long time? Oh man. Or even if you know Gro- the reason why people were after Grogu in the first place was because they wanted to clone him for their force ability for his force abilities. A good art could have been he was taken by Luke and then maybe somehow he's captured by Gideon and Gideon's still testing on him to make his own clones and the whole thing kind of becomes a Last of Us finale where Din is now like, oh, I don't trust Luke with Grogu because I let him go. Now I need to take things into my own hands. Like we could real, I would have loved to see that kind of attachment or something. Like Gideon's clones just came out of nowhere. Like we knew he wanted to clone. We knew we wanted to give them force abilities. But like, what's the whole point of going after the child? Like what, why, why did they have all of this like set up to go after Grogu if, oh, I didn't need them in the first place and I didn't need Dr. Pershing. Yeah. And another thing real quick here is that this episode was called The Return. So I feel like that in itself was a tease because like, you know, if you're calling this episode The Return because it's Moff Gideon's back, that makes no sense because that happened last episode. So once again, it's like these two titles really didn't like the last two episodes have had titles that just do not make sense because you have the spies, which we don't get the resolution on of, you know, you know, it's like we know Elijah Kane was a spy, but it's like the episode should have been just called The Spy, not The Spies. But then this episode's called The Return. And when I saw that pop up on the screen, I'm like, oh boy, is it the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn? Is it the return of Luke Skywalker? The return of Boba Fett? I mean, 
mean, when you call something the return, I feel like you have to have a return. An so actual like, reveal. And if they are using the return as like, oh, well, they returned to Mandalore. That that doesn't cut it either because it's like, we've been It's like we knew they that. were going to go uh, back. It's, yeah. it's not as sentimental. So I actually have some notes here that I just kind of thought about. Uh, I was like thinking about this after I'd seen the episode. You know what they should have called last episode? Because the reason it was confusing is because people took the term spies almost too literally they should have just called it the council because that's the entire point of the title it was the shadow council is what they were referring to with the spies i know a lot of people got confused and here's the funniest thing to me people's speculation was better than the actual show like the stuff people have come up with is like so much more like interesting that the fact that didn't happen makes it worse it's like like yeah that would be predictable like people were like oh they're gonna torture din or like oh my god like some crazy stuff's gonna happen and remember me and zach we've been saying all season all oh, this this ending's gonna be so dark and like edgy and stuff and like none of that happens which is like okay good we're not like being you know uh we're surprised right but the issue with being surprised is that the surprise is oh it's lame instead of mm-hmm. oh it's like something cooler than what you thought right and so this episode being called the return i guess the return of mandalore is pretty vague i think the kingdom or something a lot cooler would have worked like i said the council makes way more sense for last episode and just i don't even know like these titles did not really like guns for hire is like one of the dumbest episodes like i'm sorry some of these episode titles were really stupid it broke this it broke the convention of the titles too which is the bizarrest thing yeah it just seems like the mandalorian has kind of lost that edginess that people loved about it like season one was gritty it was a little more westerny it was a little more dark because they were exploring new territories season two was great but it started to dwell in to a little more of that fan service it still was pretty badass but it wasn't as hard hitting like season one and season three the mandalorians just don't seem that badass anymore it's just kind of like oh well they're gonna win because they have these big weapons and like i i feel like i'm losing (laughs) i feel like i'm losing the why are they so cool like it's they got have that, all these <laughs> that Power Rangers camp. Like yes, I'm this, it's that's all exactly what it is. They all have different colored armor. Like I just I I I don't understand what makes them cool anymore. That's a significant point, Sarah. That's a huge point because I honestly think what Favreau does in this episode sets up season four to be back to the basics for yep. a season one type revival. Because I think you had season two and season three, you had your fun, you had your time with Bo-Katan and other people where season four really feels like with Din now taking contract work under Carson Tiva for the New Republic I feel like that's gonna return to a mission of the week type he's gonna be on Navarro but then he's gonna be sent out on these crazy bounty hunter journeys that I feel like it's gonna be a lot similar to season one tonally at least for season four at least how they set it up in this episode but I think you're right from the standpoint of I just think season three what what the biggest problem that they ran into and i want to like preface this because i don't want people to think that i didn't like season three i did for the most part it's an uneven season but i did still like this show like i still think the finale was pretty entertaining it just was not long enough for me i mean i think it could have been longer but i think what happened in season 
and three. Obviously, there's outside forces and all that, but I think they just were doing too much within season three, and they just kind of lost lost the track a bit just because it's like, I get they're like, oh, we can do all this stuff with the Mythosaur and Mandalore and all this, but then I think a lot of people are like, well, what about Din and Grogu? And then you retooled Rangers of the New Republic, and that clearly got put into this season. And then when you do have a fun episode with like Jack Black, Lizzo, and Christopher Lloyd, people are like, oh, what's this? Even though that was a very Mandalorian type episode, because it was a kind of story of the week. It's about a droid, kind of a droid mystery, basically. So some people didn't like it. But I think season three was also in part, I think Book of Boba Fett really undercut it in a lot of ways, just because the big emotional moment that should have happened in season three, the Mandalorian happens in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And I think it's hard and to it recover. so early. Happens so early. And I think it's hard that even going back to episode one of this podcast season, Sarah, me and you were talking about how the, the previously on Mandalorian for the first episode of the season includes footage from Book of Boba Fett. Doesn't even reference Luke Skywalker. Doesn't even reference the rescue at all. And I'm like, okay, so if you were like watching the show, like season one to season two to season three, none of this is computing as much. And I think that's really what happened in season three. I think they got overly ambitious and I think they might have realized that in season three. And that's why season four seems like it's going to be back to the basics on Navarro. I think what ruined it for me is Bad Batch was airing at the same time of Mandalorian. I when when Mando started and Bad Batch was still going, I I knew that Bad Batch was going to be always be as good. So I would watch Mandalorian first and Bad Batch always after because I knew Bad Batch was not going to disappoint. Even if it was a fillery episode, I knew that I was going to enjoy it way more just because it at least made a little more sense. Like I'd finish a Mandalorian episode and it'd be like, okay, I don't know the point, but okay. And then I'd go right into Bad Batch and just be back in that Star Wars angst. Like, here's the thing with me is that this season has so many weird business making decisions that kind of also impacted the Book of Boba Fett. And it feels mm-hmm. less like something that was made with care for the story and more like something that they just had to make with restrictions. Like, oh, well, we need to have Grogu back because people like Grogu, right? Instead of doing what Zach was saying and split the season up between scenes jumping the uh, Luke and Grogu and scenes with the Mandalorian or just have a few episodes without Grogu. It's just like the main issue here, and, and you can see it with the episode with Dr. Pershing, is they do not, in this case, know how to structure this like a television series. It just felt like like what a noob would think a television series is like. It's super bizarre because it's like, especially this season specifically, where it's like, we're going to have serialized episodes, but then we're also going to have filler adventure of the week episodes instead of what we had done originally, which was just the filler of the week like thing. And then the last few were, you know, crazy story stuff. And it's like, well, why didn't you just pick one or the other instead of trying to mix them? And it doesn't really flow properly. Like when you have a 56 minute long episode, the longest one in your entire freaking show. And it's about a a non-character, like a character who dies in the same episode they're introduced. And then the finale is way shorter and feels less fulfilling. And it's like, you know, something's wrong because then you go and watch like, I don't know, um, any other just random like Star Trek, Star Trek, every episode is an episode of the week, but they're all about like 45 minutes to an hour long. And so you get fulfillment every time. And then occasionally you'll get like a big story arc. And what's going on here is that unlike the animated Star Wars shows that do exactly that, they didn't do that. So it's like, oh, here's Bad Batch and they're going to go do a silly little adventure. But then the next three episodes 
are going to be like some epic overarching plot and then in this show it's like um well uh here's some tidbits from the overarching plot and then here's a bunch of dumb stuff in between and then now we're going to get back to the plot but because we ran out of time and money uh everything happens all at once and it's just like ridiculous like here's another thing uh the praetorian guards were so underwhelming in this compared to yeah. last episode where they were built up as like some epic threat and then they do like literally nothing and i was like i much preferred and the way it was shot too was just so meh like compared to the fight in last jedi which i know a lot of people have talked to death about like the choreography in that which they were told by youtube they would have never noticed otherwise they were just being so nitpicky but yeah. the fight in the last jedi has way better filmmaking in it like that was bothering me while i was watching this because i'm like i want to enjoy this fight choreography because they turn mando into like tony jaw plus john wick like he's doing all these kicks he's you know mixing gun fu and then it's like yeah but it looks like really generic like like i could have filmed that in my backyard like type of thing it doesn't look like that cinematically interesting and it's just like what happened because it's not like the other stuff in this show was bad like i thought the fight scene last season between uh din and moff gideon was way cooler than the one between him and bo-katan which was just cut to oblivion and felt really wonky and weird I, like i don't even know how to explain that yeah that the fight scenes were a bit off but i obviously i think your answer with the last jedi prayer torian guards compared to this one it's it's there's a kind of a easy answer there like if we really get into the nitty-gritty just because of like time budgets what a lot yep, this that feels is very yep, correct this feels very last minute almost decision making of oh wouldn't it be cool if we included these guys yep in this but i do think the fight scenes do establish one thing a lot of people were like online and they're like oh well this shows about all the mandalorians now this episode no nope. that to rest yeah this is yeah. Din's show yep. this is Din's show i don't want to ever see another tweet online where it's like well is he really the mandalorian yeah he's he called mando in this episode he I mean, even like, said that moff yeah. gideon moff gideon says oh the mandalorian escaped like exactly yeah it's just one of those things where i've been laughing these all season everyone's like well are you for sure they're referring to didn't Jaren? and like are you for sure they might not kill him off in the finale and it's like yeah no they're not doing he's, that also they would not do that to pedro pascal like having pedro on the show for how big he's gotten killing him off and writing him off horrible marketing move. yeah like he didn't show his face at all this nope. season which i think i think also not gonna lie i think that was a, a negative i i think yep that what's special about the endings of mandalorian seasons is we get to have a little peeky peek at mr pedro <laughs> in star wars and so the fact that he didn't even just once was kind of like oh okay yeah but they definitely I could not do anything to get rid of pedro like th that would be an awful move he's going to be your headliner for the feloni uh mando verse film yes. oh he absolutely is, he's all about sure him. he's the top build person in that like, film i don't know if we can just jump ahead um i guess we should talk about like final things from the episode like cutesy things like the fact that we finally see what a mouse droid is capable of which nothing yeah. <laughs> and that it makes funny police noises which i like the sound design and cgi in this episode except for the mandos fighting which looks like like video game but mm -hmm. I, I guess the other thing is they repeated yet again because john favreau um they repeated the ending of season one where grogu stops a fire from blowing them all to smithereens except this time he doesn't pass out and this time instead of cara dune it's the superior bo katan and so i'm like that's great and all and then moff gideon dies in two seconds to like 
the dumbest, cheesiest, goofiest thing ever. And then I felt so bad for for Giancarlo Esposito and Katie Sackhoff delivering some yeah. of the hammiest dialogue I have ever heard. Like, like I know people crap on George Lucas for just being bad at writing dialogue in general, but this but is this like no excuse. Yeah, no, this is no excuse. Like this feels in a, in a way worse because of how cliched it was. Mandalorians are stronger together. I'm like, yeah, so are like um the freaking um Planet of the Apes. Like, like so are like literally every other cheesy generic like civilization in a movie. I'm just like remembering the line from uh, I think it's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes where they literally say that apes together strong. And it's like, oh my God, this is so cheesy. And then he goes, oh, I'm so evil. I'm off Gideon. And I'm like, bro, you were But then also he's butthurt about his clones being destroyed (laughs) just by just by knocking the glass off. I thought that was one of the weakest lines that they could have given him. And I'm so mad. Like you have these two like phenomenal actors and those are the lines that you give them? (laughs) Oh my God. No, and it gets worse because think about the fact that they literally discover those clones and then he instantly is like, all right, let's just blow these up. Like there's Mm -hmm. no tension there whatsoever. Like there was nothing like they didn't like do anything with that. They were like, oh, let's just show here just in case we want to bring Giancarlo Esposito back. We have a way out. Like, oh, we can just have him show up as a clone or we can have the excuse because some people already have a fan theory that because he didn't have a mustache, that wasn't the real Moff Gideon. And I'm just like, oh my God, bro. Like we had, we had our little- been that line would have been better delivered if Din had actually fought Gideon's clones and defeated them all. Yes. Then his then his line would not. Then I would felt like his line would not have been as weak as it came off. But it was just like I don't know. I I really thought that they made Gideon and Bo Katan's lines and final battle battle fall super flat. The cheese, man. The cheese. I, I think it was forced. I think it was. Yes. Forced. I think that's the problem. I think the problem was I love Bo Katan as a character. But it yep. just didn't make sense for her. I get they were giving us that backstory earlier in the season that she surrendered Mandalore to Moff Gideon. But like we didn't see that. So it's like it's not in our heads. What we've seen in the past two seasons is Din versus Moff Gideon. So it's like everyone, of course, is kind of more into Mando versus Moff. So that fight really does fall flat just because I don't think there was as much emotional attachment there. And then, of course, I think the biggest issue most people will have with this fight and I'm shocked that none of you guys brought it up yet is that the dark saber just just gets oh, crushed it's just yeah. crushed I don't I don't this weapon that. that has been forged thousands of years ago meant to unite the entire planet of Mandalore and just be absolutely indestructible is crushed in one hand it, it's bizarre it's a bizarre move especially because I mean I mean I'm sure the dark sabers were selling well on shopdisney.com so I'm oh yeah shocked that you know they still will but like still just kind of weird that you know it's like i mean kind of has to be reforged i feel like because it's kind of like you know it looked sick in the marketing i mean i i, I kind of would have liked if they took the dark saber and like burned it in the forge like if they wanted to get rid of the dark saber they should they i i did think that the lighting of the forge and that final scene was really nice i actually oh, teared I up agree. a little bit because it was like oh they and the finally music was are great. united yeah i i did enjoy that scene i think it could have been much more much harder if Bo was like like, you know, we our factions have fought for this Darksaber for generations. We need to end it here because we're stronger together. And then tosses it in Forge. A hundred percent agreed. Can I just say, I think that's what was missing. Because it mm-hmm. like gets destroyed and then they forget about it. And it's like, it's oh, there. that wasn't that big a deal. Like, w- 
what? Like, you know what this season felt like to me? I thought about this earlier and I just it completely uh, like slipped my mind until now. This felt like the rise of Skywalker for the Mandalorian. Like this entire season felt like in the way where they're like trying to revert things that happened in the last season, not even including Book of Boba Fett, where it gets really weird and things just kind of happen. Because think about it. We have this ending scene where it's like, okay, we need reinforcements. So Axe, who is not a traitor, who's actually really cool is going to go get all these random Mandalorians and then we're never going to see what happens to those TIE Interceptors because it's so rushed that the in the cheesiest way possible all those Mando ships disappear into the clouds and you don't see them anymore and then they're like Bo-Katan we have arrived there are more of us Poe there are more of us and then we're just going to blow up this base and it's just like I don't even know what's going on anymore Moff Gideon dies in two seconds after the thing gets crushed and I just like like I don't know Zach you, you were absolutely right in pointing out the fact that neither of us mentioned it shows you how poorly that was handled and I don't even think it getting crushed is the problem I just think the fact that they don't linger on it it just happens mm-hmm. and no one cares it's like oh it got destroyed whatever it should have been mentioned yeah and speaking of stuff that doesn't get lingered on at all is I don't know about you two but remarkably weird after our boy Din Dejaren has so much riz about you know Lady bo <laughs> your song has not been written yet you know Grogu saved Grogu, his son, you know, kind of saves Bo and Din on Mandalore. You know, no biggie, no big deal. But then we don't get a scene with Bo and Din. Like, Bo doesn't right? say thank you. You know, Bo or, or even like, you. or even like, you should stay, and you see yes. that tension between yes. them. That look, like Bo, they are head over heels for each other again. Like those words that Din said again, Woo. most sexual, non-sexual thing to happen in Star Wars, and it, it, that's just stomped out. Like we could have at least had like the arm grab and then the tension. The Bo like, helmet tease. You know, it's like yes. that one Mando episode where the villager was trying to lift Din's helmet. You're like, yes. you know, it's like. Oh, like throw us adults a bone for crying out loud like we at least get a little bit of a tease in bad batch between two characters even though no romance happens there's still a little fizzle there that's really cute so the fact that an animated show had a little more had more romance than a live action show well, don't worry, our boy Tony Gilroy got, oh, get, yeah. has us oh. covered on Yeah, romance. and or from I'm what gonna, I'm hearing, I'm you know, my, my girl Bix Colleen. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Uh, you know, all, the, all the Star Wars queens getting their horny moments. I'm here for it. That's like, gonna be <laughs> the only episode I come on to do Andor season two with you guys will be the Bix Colleen <laughs> episode, and it will God. be okay. Like, our special correspondent, Zach Holstein. <laughs> special <laughs> romance correspondent to talk about oh those scenes. I'm gonna have to like warn people ahead of time that I've like talked about Andor with I'm like yeah if you thought season one was like yeah this is totally fine for kids I'm like season, season two is yeah, probably no. gonna be a little bit much like we don't know <laughs> yet because it hasn't come out yet but that's like for the future and that's the thing that's the thing I was thinking about you know what the next few Star Wars things are gonna be like in the future we're getting Jedi Survivor literally in like a little over a week and ah. that's still gonna be like very much like for more of a teenager audience like it's not 100% for kids it's not 100% for adults because Fallen order was more like just the average like everyday like person could just play it like it was just really good for everyone and Fallen Order I feel like or Jedi Survivor is going to be more of the same but next year ne- and after Ahsoka obviously which I also think is going to be a little bit more skewed towards like Mando audience which okay I guess should just talk about that too I thought it was actually good that they showed restraint and kept this a season to be entirely about Mandalorians and didn't just throw in Thrawn for like no reason yes. and Dave Filoni 
Tony even mentioned that. He said, we're not just going to set things up for Ahsoka. And I really appreciate that Ahsoka feels like a singular thing and that her being in Book of Boba Fett and Mando was enough to like set things up. But um, what I was saying earlier, we're getting the Acolytes, Andor season two and Bad Batch season three, all in the same year next year, which is going to be really jarring going from this year, which is like, yeah, we're getting visions. And we had Mando season three and Ahsoka, which like I said, Ahsoka still has a chance. Like I still highly believe in that show. That used to be my most anticipated show until Andor came out. Like Ahsoka was my number one that I was like, I cannot wait for that. And I really do think Dave Filoni can still do some great things. And I think people are just being too harsh about him recently for whatever reason. But I want Favreau's hand. Favreau needs to keep his hands off of Ahsoka. I hope Favreau had nothing to do with Ahsoka. Ahsoka is Filoni's show and it is Rebel season five. I have such high expectations of it. I'm going to be so mad if Favreau had a big hand in it solely because I feel like it's just not going to hit as hard because we have so much to cover after Rebel season four. I won't go into spoilers because Zach, once you, you'll know what we mean once you get, once you finish the show, but the emotion will definitely come out. That's all I will say. We have been waiting to see the rev, what happened, what has truly happened. So I just can't believe it. It's like you would think a live action series would have that effect on people. And instead it's these animated shows and it's like, I don't even know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I just want to throw it out there. I think season four, this is going to just be Assassin's Creed and we're just going to have Mando go after these big wig targets. I think that would be a good show of the week format is to have, okay, who am I assassinating or like fighting? And then each one of them has like a different gimmick. And that's like the whole episode and like Assassin's Creed. And then it ends mm-hmm. with like set up to mix with Ahsoka. I think that'd be if I was Favreau and I wrote it this way and I have like Grogu just wants to grill and they're doing like a whole thing of him training with Mando. That's how I would do it. Uh, I think it's going to be similar to what you just said, Gio, but I think it's going to be very skewed to a New Republic way. Yes. I would not be surprised if it's a very, you know, Carson Tiva, maybe a bigger role and, you know, just kind of, you know, show of the week type thing, but different New Republic kind of antics as well. But there was one thing about this finale that I have to bring up because I am kind of upset. I'm kind of upset we didn't get a post credit scene just because of how short yeah. it was. It makes no sense that we just didn't get a post credit scene of something. I mean, of Mandalore, or, you know, obviously we had that Mythosartes, which I, eh, you know, I didn't I know what that was for. Yeah. It's like, like, is uh, the Mythosar awakening Grogu. like, yay, my people yeah. are home. I think it's, it's, it's a, a Grogu. Yeah. It's but Grogu, Grogu wasn't there anymore. Like, but I he think... did it, the scene, um, the scene, it was immediately following the adoption. And the uh... Grogu was like by the water. So it's like, I don't know if it was like some kind of force sensing thing, but I yeah, think, I... yeah, that's what someone, like, I saw so many tweets last week that literally guessed things correctly from this week. And that was one of them. Someone said, well, what if Grogu awakens the Mythosaur and it comes to save the day? Which of course it didn't, which I think shows restraint. So that's fine. But it makes me think that Grogu, why? This is so bad. I feel like everything I say just doesn't come true unless I'm like talking about the animated shows. Cause like, I'm exactly. over here like, oh, what they should do is that Din or Bo becomes Mandalore by writing the thing. And now Din's like going back to his roots as a character, which is like, I don't really care about that stuff. I just want to be alone, which is fine. And it's like, okay, Bo-Katan doesn't have the Darksaber, but she's just a leader by trade. Like she's proven herself. So it's like Grogu being the one to ride the Mythosaur would totally track with everything they're doing in modern Lucasfilm canon with Star Wars, where almost every single character has become a Beastmaster since they started it with uh, Kanan and Ezra in Rebels. Like those two are Beastmaster Jedi. And now 
suddenly that's become a more common power. So I don't doubt, considering the fact that we first saw force healing in Mando from Grogu, that that's another power they would add to Grogu's skill set. To be honest, I even think that doing a after credit scene of like a tease to Ahsoka would have been great. That's like what you I mean. totally yeah. could have had. Yeah, like yeah. we could have finally seen Thrawn, or even just like I don't know, just anything really. I mean, it could have something been like throw as... us a bone. Just really anything. I just think having that kind of ending tag helps, especially when it's like a finale and just stuff like that. I just think, especially because it was more of a happy ending as well. I think it needed some. It needs like post credit scenes. I think are at their best when it leaves you a bit surprised but there's also this like unsettling you know something lurks around the corner like mm-hmm. I think that's when Marvel and Star Wars post credit scenes are at their very best where it's like it gives you a tease it might not exactly set up what's happening next but there is like something like oh there is gonna be something coming and like you're gonna yeah. have to deal with this at some point because I mean Book of Boba Fett even had a post credit scene if you guys recall it was with Cobb Vanth I think yep. getting the cybernetics yeah. in them which i mean when when will we see the follow-up to that i mean my Where'd lord he go man. yeah yeah is that gonna be a 2025 thing i mean <laughs> hey I, I i don't know i maybe we just need to increase the mandalorian episode count to 10 just so we can please get more time in but i i have a quick question for the both of you is like do you have any predictions for the next season of the mandalorian and i know that's like super hard to like even do because it's like obviously we have ahsoka come august yeah. and then it's like unless they figure out how to do the mandalorian life day special for 2024 <laughs> it's gonna be this long layover until they figure this out again so i have a good guess now that we're talking about boba fett um i mentioned earlier i think season four is gonna be assassin season and like maybe not so much for grogu necessarily and it's gonna be more like oh mando goes and clears out like a camp of like imperials that work under this warlord or something and it's all gonna be the background characters that have nothing to do with Thrawn. I think that was what that scene was setting up with the Shadow Council. But other than that, my other prediction is that that we're going to get a scene with whatchamacallit, Boba Fett assisting our boy Mando. Like, I really do think that would be the smartest way to do it is to have Boba Fett show up at some point and not be like, oh, I was doing nothing for the entire last season and no one talked to me. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I would do. That makes sense. That's a good that's a good point. I really don't know what to expect for season four to be honest i'm i i don't want to say i'm turned off by the mandalorian oh i i don't want to say the mandalorian I, I don't want to say that I'm like not interested anymore. I definitely want to see where they take it, especially because, you know, it's all going to end in this one big movie. But I don't know. I, I'm it doesn't make me as excited as it used to. Do do we think that the excitement for Mandalorian season three was screwed up by its release date? That uh, to be honest, I think that if I was telling my partner this, if Mandalorian came out first and Bad Batch came out after, if they didn't overlap, I m- might have enjoyed it more. That's what I mean. I feel like that Bad Batch Mando overlap really kind of might have been too much, uh, too much Star Wars, too much, just like, especially both being on Wednesday, even if you had the Mando be on Friday or I, I don't know. I just felt like from the star, I know we talked about this like a long time ago. It's like, I just felt like even with Mandalorian's marketing this year, it just something was off. I don't know if it's because it was like coming out in March or, you know, I, I really don't know, but it's like, it just feels like sometimes these things just 
don't come out at the right time. Like they just come out for the sake of coming out and instead of picking that perfect, like sweet spot release date. Like I, you know, I almost wonder if you, you, if you wait, if you hold off and release this on May the 4th, if it's a better reception. I think it would have done better. I still think it would have received the same criticism, but for different, like it would have been less about like hype and more about like people just hating on certain things to hate on it. Um, The Bad Batch definitely didn't help because it's like, like I said, I saw people being like, oh my God, the Bad Batch, like going back and watching it again is like ruined Mandalorian for me. And it's like, yeah, and this is totally understandable because the Bad Batch was really intense. But in, in like this case, I guess people were just annoyed by certain things that it's like, like, all right, um, here's the Monster of the Week episode, except we're just going to deal with it really quickly. Here's the random scientist episode just to establish that there's a mole in the New Republic who is an interesting character but didn't need an entire episode to be established and then here's an episode where we're gonna do a side episode but it's also important to the plot at the beginning and the ending and it's like uh okay oh and we haven't even talked about the fact that ig11 who should just stayed dead is just back now as the marshal and it's like navarro gets its happy ending just like din does just so random it's just there yeah i was like that was the grand payoff to ig11 oh hey i need this droid oh just kidding no i don't but actually i do because i really care about this droid and it's like well that's great that you care about the droid but like th- there's nothing sacred like <laughs> like is quill like, can gonna we, come can back characters not just die which is funny because i'm still sad about a bad batch character death and hope that he actually is alive but yeah like i don't know it was it, it was also really funny at how they just wrote off cara dune like, lol quick <laughs> quick, quick. didn't even mention quick. yeah didn't even mention and i mean i think they lucked out because so much time passed between season two and season three and so much time passed in between the Cara Dune controversy that like it wasn't really on a lot of people's radars come season three but you know just how they wrote her off it was just kind of funny because I kept on joking within this podcast I'm like oh maybe they're recasting maybe they're gonna bring her back at some point but it's like which really, I think they should have you know they could have but I feel like with you had so much already like in the pot this season you had like Bo you had the yeah. armor as a bigger role you had Paz Vizsla you you obviously Elia Kane then you had Carson Tiva rolling out with the New Republic more I mean you kind of developed more of a cast this season of characters that I I definitely think will be highlighted in season four as well hey yo what about Keller and Beck lol I completely forgot about that like what was the payoff there besides hey guys this is how Grogu survived Order 66 okay no one cares about it that anymore all right yeah bye-bye like i i think that see i i think you're not being too critical on that because i think that was actually a big question that fans would have been upset if that never got answered no no that's the I guess thing i would have liked if I, they i guess i yeah. would have liked if they drew it out a little more yeah, yeah. i did like the it's i did like how we got to see very it, true but i felt like it was so quick it's like this is a very traumatic part of grogu's very very long life like out of all the 50 years that he's lived and still has more to go this will be one of the big moments that sticks with him and i guess i would have liked to see a little more from that i mean i guess you can only go so far but i don't know would have liked to you know what happened to him what why how did he get on his own how how did he get in this custody i i think more flashback would have done it would have been like okay this is why we still have grogu even though grogu's storyline is pretty much done yeah it's like that's what i mean it's like I liked the scene and I'm like that we got 
an answer, but in the grand scheme of the storytelling, it didn't really do what it should have. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know why it was written that way, where it's like, we're just going to repeat what we did in season one with Din, where we had these flashback moments, except we're going to do the same thing with Grogu once. And then that's about it. It's just, oh, how did he end up here? Here's your answer. And it's like, well, good answer. But I don't know. I felt like that's another thing where it's a cool idea that was dropped too quickly. Like, it just kind of happens and is gone and it's like okay i mean i guess we'll get the rest of his backstory eventually like which it's not necessary it's like you don't need to see the rest of it it's just not it just didn't feel flushed out enough like there's just so much that happened in the season that was like parts that were slow that shouldn't have been slow and then the parts that were fast should have been way slower just like this entire finale that i can agree with there i can agree there was parts that were way too fast and then the good stuff should have been a little bit slow and yeah i i agree i agree i just think that's how it went down i mean i just i i just do think season four will be better i mean i do I agree think there was a lot of people who were think like for some reason said this felt like a series finale and i i, nah. I really want to really nah. want to ask them what what show have you been watching if you think this was a series <laughs> finale because like this has yeah. a happy ending this has a happy ending but series finale i mean like that's, that's a little a big, that's a bit much yeah i mean i was seeing a lot of that and i'm like eh, mm. guys that's that's really a bit that's a stretch <laughs> yeah just because it's like it's a happy ending the navarro thing you know but it's like there's a future here there's a couple more seasons i mean this movie ain't gonna be out for a while yeah i mean now you mentioned it i'm starting to flash back some people considered the season finale of season two like a series finale-esque ending where they were like wow this is really epic and then obviously that got turned on its head very quickly but yeah i i just like ending on a cheesy shot i think felt un earned like i liked the idea of the goofy edit like the wipe to grogu and din it's like so cheesy but it just didn't work because of how sarah i mean you said this earlier on the pod it just felt like unearned like it just kind of happens it was too early like like, here you go there's your shot like because like we've been wanting i feel like this is the same for both din and grogu and the bad batch and omega we want that scene where it's like they can finally relax they can finally have their happy ever after with bad you know bad batch was very much leaning up toward to where we were gonna get that which but then when they don't get to that it's so much more emotional whereas with mandalorian it just happens it's like, so oh, quick thing okay. about this now thinking towards the future pedro pascal is 100 gonna be physically present in the movie because it's a movie which mm-hmm. makes me think that the and it's obvious the main reason he wasn't present on set at all for the season was the last of us each episode took upwards of a month to film it was a lot of work and he just wasn't available like that's obvious but i think the issue there is that they had to haphazardly write din as believing in his cult status again literally and so he never takes off the helmet which is going to be annoying to rewrite again that he has to take his helmet off because you can't just waste pedro pascal because i'm pretty sure he's gonna have to take it off a bunch like if you want to get emotionally resonant scenes in whatever he happens to be in in this mandoverse movie because he's going to be the big selling point like for star wars fans who are diehard the selling point is going to be all this stuff that they've been waiting to see in live action but for like casual fans it's it's Din Djarin it's, it's Pedro, Pedro Pascal and so it's like I don't know I just found it super weird and robotic that they wrote it around Last of Us which is totally acceptable but it's like I don't know silly well with that note thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of This is the Waycast and for this crazy season of two episodes or two series we're going to be covering Ahsoka Skeleton Crew and providing even more bonus episodes throughout the year so make sure you're subscribed 
and following this podcast feed so you don't miss an episode. For more Star Wars content, head over to BoardWalkTimes.net and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at BoardWalkTimes. This is The Waycast is a BoardWalk Times production produced and edited by me and Giovanni Delgadillo and music by Kevin McLeod.